a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Have you completely dedicated every part of yourself to it? And I said, well, what's the answer? And she says, that's the trouble. The answer is always no. I said, well, let's ask the question a different way. Has Jesus given everything for you? Has he dedicated his whole life to you? Has he invited you into his heart? And the answer to that is a glorious and gracious and conscious, freeing, comforting yes. Uh, only then we, we hear the gospel, that Jesus Christ came to earth, uh, was born of a Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life uh, in our place, and died the death that we deserved, took on the full wrath of God. All that was done for us so that we could be called righteous and holy in the eyes of God. That's not going to help with the who wants to date a seminary and hotline right there. <laughs> Well, welcome to another edition of Table Talk Radio. Pastor Wolfmiller, how are you today? I'm good. Rocking and rolling along with that song. Yeah, we're loving the new... We're the only ones that like our new theme music. I know. All these Lutherans are like, what is this stuff with drums? <laughs> what, we're changing things up? What? <laughs> <laughs> I am against drums in the service, by the way. Yes. Are you against drums on the radio? No. Okay. Well, that's a good good distinction to make. Well, welcome to Table Talker Radio today. Uh, we have a great lineup. We're responding to our listeners, and uh, t- we have a great, uh, some really good topics to talk about with this, uh, with our, our phone line. Oh, by the way, would you believe it that we actually received a real voicemail message? I know. You haven't been able to sleep for two days. You're so excited to play a voicemail <laughs> message. That's true. Look, if you, if you want to make Vicar Gagline's month, then just call this <laughs> this phone number that we have and leave a message. Well, oh, boy, he's floating on cloud nine. <laughs> it's true. But before we get to that, well, we're also playing uh, some Praise Song Cruncher. We're going to learn about uh, Pastor's new dance moves. That's right. The Table Talk Radio Dance Academy coming up in the third segment. <laughs> and then we're ending up with Law and our Gospel. But first, we have to do... This is Eric, the truck driver, and I love Table Talk Radio. Without theological buzzwords, I could never understand <laughs> Johan Gerhard. All right. Nice. <laughs> so my theological buzzword for you, Pastor, is absolution. Oh, nice. And uh, this is the freeing uh, from the, the, the guilt, and uh, it's the remission of sins. And as, as uh, in Lutheran theology, we, we talk about that the, the pastor stands uh, in the stead and by the command of, of Jesus, uh, the, the understanding of the office of the keys, um, to, to then absolve sins. Yeah, people come to church all the time, and I stand up there. I, my favorite thing to say as a pastor, as a called and ordained servant of the Word, I announce the grace of God unto all of you, and in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. And, uh, but people who aren't used to that, they come out and they fuss, and they say, how can you forgive sins? Only God can. And uh, So we have to turn to the Scriptures and say, look, at Jesus gives his church the authority to do such things. At John chapter 20, whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven in heaven. Uh, what a great text, and what a great word, absolution. 
All right. Well, that's your theological and buzzword. Do you have one for me? It's yes. A, B, the... S. Oh, sorry. <laughs> T-I-O. I'm writing it down here so I don't forget. I learned that little trick from you. <laughs> Forgetting the buzzword. My buzzword for you is orthodox. Orthodox. It comes from, it's a Greek word, ortho, which means straight. So if you want straight teeth, you go to the orthodontist. Uh, dox is a, is a shortening of the Greek word doxology, which means praise. So at its root, orthodoxy means right praise. Uh, but we understand it now to, to basically mean right doctrine. So someone who teaches uh, according to the scriptures, walks down the straight path of the Lord's word, they are orthodox. There it is. Okay. Well, it's time to then uh, listen to our our one and only listener. And uh, he has a question for us. Uh, So here it is. Hi, my name is Ryan Obradowitz. I'm listening to the show for the very first time. And the topic of evangelism was being discussed, namely about using the catechism as an evangelism tool. Um, my, My question is, how do apologetics fit within the realm of evangelism, and does apologetics fit in the realm of law and gospel? Um, I've heard that it does, but I would love to hear, namely, Pastor Wolf Mueller's response to this, so if that could be addressed, I would appreciate it. Loving the show right now, I plan on downloading more podcasts, so you guys keep up the good work. Bye-bye. Great. My my plan to phase myself out of the show is almost complete. <laughs> Did you notice how he said he loved the show and that he'd only listened once? Those two <laughs> things often go together. Don't worry. Your love That's will true. grow cold the more you listen. <laughs> That's true. I didn't catch that. <laughs> All right. Well, since uh, he wants to hear about you, I'm going to go get something to drink. Why don't you go and answer this question? <laughs> you want to uh, restate that? I think I understand what the question is. Uh, what is the role of apologetics in evangelism, and is apologetics law and gospel? Those are the two questions that I drew out of the message. Uh, is that? That's right. So I'm going to go get some to drink. All right. Uh, this is a kind of tricky question, by the way. Um, uh, uh, the, these two questions, it, it, and it deserves a lot of a lot of discussion and a lot of consideration. Uh, the first point to make is that the traditional view of apologetics is that it serves kind of a pre-evangelism role. Uh, that evangelism, er, apologetics, is tearing down the um, the walls that people have built up in their minds or even in their hearts uh, that obstruct the gospel from going through. So, for example, someone has the false idea. Uh, that God's word is full of contradictions and lies. Well, evangelism comes in and shows, oh, no, look, God's word is consistent, it's true, it's right, it doesn't have all these, uh, it's reliable, it doesn't have all these contradictions that you think it does, and so it clears away that wall. Or someone else comes in and says, uh, the idea of a God who is good and the reality of a world that has terrible things in it, um, bad things happening all the time, these are contradictory, philosophical contradictions in the in the nature of reality and so uh, either one can't exist either there's no suffering or there's no good god um so there so there's a philosophical objection and apologetics comes in and it answers it uh, but does not yet get to the gospel so the traditional understanding of apologetics is that it's it serves to prepare the way it's kind of like the jo- john the baptist of evangelism it comes tearing down mountains building up valleys making the way straight for the law and the gospel to come in and be preached. I, though, uh, dear ris- listener Ryan, uh, <laughs> want to think differently. Oh, you're back. Yeah. I heard your Unfortunately. 
I want to think differently about apologetics. I want to. Uh, I think that apologetics can include this uh, realm of law and gospel. But what that looks like, I'm personally still trying to work that out. Um, so if anyone listening, uh, uh, if anyone is listening, uh, and you have thoughts on this, I'd love to hear them, uh, because I I think that uh, we can do a law gospel apologetic. We can we can look at the objections to that people have to Christianity or to the gospel, and we can say, hey, they're objecting not to um, uh, not to the gospel, but to the law, or they're objecting to a wrong understanding of the gospel, and we can present a right understanding of it. And that that will be helpful uh, in the whole conversation, but this, but but I think that's the kind of traditional role of apologetics as as the way it relates to evangelism. It's it's making this claim that the 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 claims of Christianity are historic, and they're true, uh, and they can be shown to be so. Very good. Well, I guess I have to offer my two cents. <clears throat> What are your two cents? I I don't even have two cents to show. No, no. I, I think I think uh, you articulate my position also. I mean that, um, that that there people have certain obstacles to the gospel that I think you know, maybe you mentioned this when I was you know off the air. But <laughs> um, if someone believes you know that that God possibly can't possibly exist because of evolution, um, then an apologetic task, for example, would be to uh, show that person that uh, through evidence or what other arguments that that evolution isn't necessarily the most logical uh, mindset uh, worldview to hold. And so, if 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 um, understanding evolution have some has some holes in it, prepares away the gospel, then I think it does serve it. But but no one no one will come to belief um, ha- have faith in Jesus Christ because we've explained that the the world is really only you know six thousand years old. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, or it's the gospel that's the power of God unto salvation. That's So that's Romans 10 and Romans 1, 16. Um, and so th- what creates faith is the gospel. But but uh, what uh, kind of the traditional view of apologetics is that it's clearing out. It, it's like going to the doctor and having the big lump of wax taken out of your ear, and then you can hear your uh, husband or wife tell you how much they love you. I mean, uh, the doctor makes way for the words to come into your ear. If you imagine, uh, you know these old fairy tales? So you have the princess, It's up in the, she's up in the tower. So you have the tower, and you have the moat, and you have the archers, and you have all this sort of stuff. Well, the the princess is like someone's ear, and, and these towers and moats and crocodiles and archers and everything are the objections that people put up to hearing the gospel. And everyone has three or four that they go to. Uh, every non-Christian has a couple of uh, reasons in their back pocket that that uh, that Christianity is is a fool's errand. Uh, and so apologetics comes in and it kills the crocodiles, it fills in the moat, it tears down the tower, uh, it, it brings you to the princess. And then uh, the preacher of the gospel comes in and speaks the Lord's word of truth. I couldn't have said it better myself, Pastor. Yeah, you're dreaming about those princesses. <laughs> I'm just disappointed that uh, one of my friends is the only person to call the uh, who wants to date a vicar hotline. That's very. That's most disappointing. We'll be right back. More Table Talk Radio right after this. Don't go away. <laughs> that's law, not law. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, 
Serious Theology, Seriously Bad Hosts. In the early 16th century, there was a man named John Tetzel, who is remembered for his selling of indulgences to fund the construction of St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. He said, As soon as the coin in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. Luther, of course, combated this teaching, saying that the indulgence wasn't even worth the paper it was written on. We at Table Talk Radio want to give you something of equal value. For every dollar you donate through our website, tabletalkradio.org, we will send you one Table Talk Radio point. With this certificate of pretend Table Talk Radio points, you will be reminded that the points on Table Talk Radio are like the treasury of merits to your salvation. No help whatsoever. Get your pretend Table Talk Radio points today by clicking the Donate button on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. There's an online world where I am king of a little website dedicated to me. With pictures of me and a list of my friends and an unofficial record of the groups that I'm in. Before the internet, friendship was so tough. You actually had to be in people's presence and stuff. Who would have thought that with a point and a click, I would know that Hope Floats is your favorite flick? <laughs> Harry Connick Jr. Facebook. Facebook. I'm hooked on Facebook. I used to meet girls hanging out at the mall. But now I just wait for them to write on my wall. Take a look. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Oh, your theme song. <laughs> um, if you uh, would like to check out the official Facebook fan club of Table Talk Radio, just add Pastor Wolfmuller as a friend. Um, he takes care of all of that for us on Facebook. Yeah, I give away points to people who want to, who request to be my friend through <laughs> Table Talk That's Radio. So sad. I feel I, ba- I feel bad because people keep trying to add me and I have to ignore him. <laughs> It's nothing personal. It's just I, I only use my Facebook account to uh, send notes to the college group that when we're having Bible study and stuff. So don't take it personally if, if I'm not your friend on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. You like this face-to-face thing. And where are you, Oklahoma, and I'm in Aurora <laughs> recording a radio show together? Yeah, that's true. Well, it's a little different when you're dealing with uh, Brian Wolfmuller. <laughs> you don't want to be in the face. Oh, <laughs> okay. Remember that one time we did try to record face to face? What a mess! Because you kept distracting me with your facial expressions. <laughs> I had to look away. <laughs> That's why we decided it's best if we go to different ge- geographical locations, different rooms at least. <laughs> All right. Well, we're not done responding to our listeners, believe it or not, because we have this email from Paul, and Paul, um, well, this is the the apology of the uh, praise song cruncher, because Paul wrote in and asked uh, Pastor Wolf there. If uh, if there was a chart or a document that breaks down the biblical evidence with references for each uh, condition of the praise song cruncher, so uh, Pastor, you you responded with these with these verses supporting your uh, uh, criteria for discerning praise songs. Yeah, and this s- whole praise song cruncher is everyone's favorite thing, uh, which is great. I mean, I like to crunch the praise songs, uh, but I had written this criteria for it. You can find it on our website, tabletalkradio.com. Uh, org is it? Yes. And uh, and you can click and look at it there. But but Paul wrote and he said prove it from the Bible and there wasn't a document. So I wrote a little note back um, with a couple of verses for each of the five criteria. 
uh, of the praise song. So I think what we're going to do this segment is go through the different criteria, look at the different verses uh, that go with it, and then uh, maybe even use the praise song cruncher to, to, to crunch a song. How's that sound? I think that sounds good to me. So number one is, is Jesus mentioned yes or no? Uh, if, uh, if yes, is it a name or concept? So where do you go to in the Bible to find this? Yes, I, uh, the first verse I pulled for this was Romans 15, verse 9, which says has this great little line that says, I will sing uh, your name among the Gentiles. So that our singing now is really, and Paul's using this for a different reason. I mean, he's talking about how the promise to the Gentiles is, uh, is in the Old Testament as well as the New. Um, but this great, that what we sing when we go out to sing is the name of the Lord. Uh, Colossians 3, verse 16 and 17 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So that that all that we're doing, even our singing, um, our hymns, our spiritual songs with thankfulness, is all in the name of Jesus. Uh, a couple other texts, Ephesians 5, verse 19 to 21, um, especially here, verse 20, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then finally, just a, um, a text from Revelation where they're singing to Jesus, uh, Revelation 5, 9, they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals for you were slain. And you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. So there we see the heavenly hymns being addressed to the crucified and risen Lord Jesus. So the Sedes Doctrine of the uh, the praise song cruncher. But but theologically, we're uh, going. What we're simply saying is that that the music that we sing should be proclaiming Christ and the forgiveness of sins. Uh, Jesus is the only one that can bestow the forgiveness of sins to us. Um, and so if that is true, and it is. And we should be singing about him. You know, we have all these these uh, songs, and even a lot of hymns, that you, you read the, the words, and it's like, this could be sung in, in any religion. In any religion could sing this song. Right. Okay, what else you got? Yeah, that's right. I mean, so one of the criteria could be, uh, could a Muslim or Hindu sing this song? <laughs> I mean, that could be one of the cruncher criteria. It just didn't make it. But And the other thing to remember about the cruncher here is that we're, I mean, we, we want to gauge things. So these questions, I mean, if something, if you do bad on one question, it doesn't necessarily mean the song's terrible, but it's just a tool to kind of help you get to the theological heart of, of the song. It, mostly, it's a tool to help you slow down and actually pay attention to what you're singing. Uh, and it's trying to kind of poke at the mystical character of most of them. But that's point three. Point two is clarity. All right. I, I want to know where in the Bible it says that we should use sentences with subject, verb, and object and not <laughs> sentence fragments. So you show me where that is. Well, here's here's the two texts that I pulled out. You're gonna you might laugh at these texts, but here's the first one is First Corinthians, uh, chapter fourteen, verses seven to twelve. Uh, but he, here, here uh, is a few of the, these lines. Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as a flute or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Uh, so, so the idea of what Paul's talking about here is that we have to speak clearly and communicate clearly so that people know uh, what in the world we're talking about. Uh, he goes on to say, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, 
How will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Uh, so there's one place. Do you buy it? Yeah, I do, because it's just talking about the clarity of language. I mean, I think that's pretty, pretty. That's a good, good, good verse to go with. Here's another one: Second Corinthians 11, verse six. Even though I am untrained in speech, yet I am not in knowledge. But we have been thoroughly uh, made clear among you in all things, so that Paul speaks that he he comes to them with a clarity, and so this. Um, and so should it be in service. I mean, we shouldn't do things that are... Uh, we should communicate. And to communicate, you have to use sentences. I mean, it's not... Someone didn't, like, uh, you know, 500 years ago sit down and say, hey, we ought to start using sentences uh, to be able to communicate because <laughs> if you don't use verbs, then no one knows what you're saying. No. Yeah, that I mean, was in the Reformation. Is... <laughs> you know, we're going to have a Reformation of, of proper grammar. No, I mean, it's grammar is simply a rule of taking a look at the way people have to communicate with each other. And if you don't use sentences, then you are not actually communicating. It's unfortunate. I mean, this grows out of, by the way, the clarity of Scripture. And the perhaps the best text for the clarity of Scripture would be like Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Or Psalm 119, verse 119. Um and so forth. So the uh, the scriptures are clear, and we rejoice in that. Okay. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Um, oh, mysticism, subjectivity or objectivity. And this one is, is evaluating who is uh, the actor. So in this song, is it uh, is it talking about the things that God has done, or is it talking about one's own emotions or experiences? Yeah. Now, we must note here that we are not against uh, emotions, I mean, I am, but the, the praise song cruncher is not against emotions. It's a matter of emphasis. Does the emphasis lie on the acts of God or on my own kind of response to it? And 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 so this uh, the danger of mysticism is finding all spiritual action within me and not outside of me, and then I got nothing to cling to. The scriptures that I put for this. Uh, were uh, a group of psalms, Psalm one, uh, Psalm 95 to Psalm uh, 106. There's a name for this group of songs. They might be the, uh, oh, I can't remember. But th- this group of psalms have a, have a name. You, someone can look that up for an extra bonus 300 points. Um, but they all are calling uh, out to the Lord's people to sing his praises for the good things that he's done. So, for example, uh, Psalm 96 uh, verses 1 to 3. Let me pull it up here. Uh, Where are you going again? Do, do, do. Psalm 96, verses 1, and 2, and 3. says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among the peoples. So it's a call there to praise God because of his salvation, his wonders, the things that he's done. Or here, Psalm 98, verse 1. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. So you see, the call to sing there is the result of God's works. Psalm 100, verses 1, uh, 2, and 3. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It's he who made us, and we are his. 
We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So the Lord has made us, he's redeemed us, he's called us to be his own, and that's why we sing. Or Psalm 103, uh, really the whole thing here, but what about this? Praise the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgives your sins and heals all your diseases. So again, we're called to sing because of the things that the Lord has done for us. All right, let's continue the apology of the praise song cruncher. We might do some praise song crunching right after that. Don't go away for more Table Talk Radio right after this commercial break. No online petition necessary. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. And now it's time for Table Talk Extras with Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. The law is intent on killing us. And if you need proof of that, you just have to read the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says something like this. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and that whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable of hellfire. You see, that law that just stands there by itself, you shall not murder, could perhaps be keepable, doable. I could say that I haven't murdered anyone today because I haven't taken an ice pick to anyone's back or something like this. But when Jesus takes the law, he unfolds the fullness of it. He doesn't dull it. He makes it sharp so that this law cuts so that when we see Jesus' definition of murder, we know that we have broken it and that this law condemns us. He does the same thing with the law against adultery. If you even look with lust that you've committed adultery in your heart. And so Jesus unfolds the spiritual use of the law, which is to bring us death, to show us that we've all broken the law. And what we deserve because of our breaking the law is God's wrath and his punishment. Then we are ready for Jesus' cross. Because there he bears the wrath and punishment that we deserve because of our sin. There he takes it on ourself. We murderous, adulterous, lying, blasphemous thieves, we who deserve God's wrath, instead Jesus gets it and we get his love, his smile, his forgiveness, his grace, his life, his hope. We get all of these things, not because we deserve it, but because Jesus died for us. So praise God that through the law we're killed and through the gospel we're made alive. This has been a production of Table Talk Radio. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio, analyzing praise songs, one terrible praise song at a time. You're listening to, t- <laughs> You're listening to Table Talk Radio, everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game show, and we are defending the, from the scriptures 
this uh, praise song cruncher. So where are we, number four now, Pastor? All, almost. We have one more thing to cover on point three, mysticism. Okay. Is the song subjective or objective? And one of the questions is, does the song repeat the same phrases over and over in a hypnotic mantra? Uh, and, uh, and the text that we want to pay attention to for that is Matthew 6, verse 7, which, where Jesus is talking about prayer. And he says, when you pray, don't babble on and on like the heathen. They think their their prayer is heard simply by repeating their words over and over. So, uh, so this repetition of words, babbling, is a mark of of heathen worship. Now, uh, th- does it make the distinction between vain repetition and so? Because um, pe- this is one that, that people throw at Lutherans a lot, saying, "Look, all you're doing is praying the Lord's prayer over and over and over. And it's vain repetition, right there. There you have it." Well, Jesus actually uses the Lord's Prayer as the opposite of something of vain repetition. And it's true, the Lord's Prayer is a short prayer. I mean, that's the, maybe the point. And, uh, and if you go and you, uh, you start to pray the Lord's Prayer over and over and over again, I mean, one time after another after another, then you begin to do this kind of uh, pagan thing. But to pray the Lord's Prayer in the morning, in the evening, after your meals, um, th- this is uh, precisely the opposite of what Jesus is talking about. Um, uh, for an example of what Jesus might be talking about, you, uh, we we think about what uh, when someone like a Buddhist or someone in the Eastern religion talks about meditating and they're rolling, uh, they're they're just saying the same thing kind of over and over and over and over, uh, and it kind of has this hypnotic effect. Uh, uh, same sort of thing that praise music has is when you have the same thing over and over. Now some would say, hey, look, there's a re- repetition in the Bible. For example, uh, you have is a Psalm 136, which after every line says. Uh, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. And then after each line, it comes back and says, and his mercy endures forever, and his mercy endures forever. But but the point of that is, uh, that's a psalm where the, the, the cantor or the singer of the psalm is recounting all the different things that the Lord is doing, and the people are responding, his mercy endures forever. Uh, so that it's actually changing as it repeats the same thing. So that it's not exactly the same as a praise song. If a praise song, every time it went through, changed a line and then had the same, it would be different. But it, it, it doesn't have that characteristic because they want to keep it simple enough to where you can memorize it uh, after singing it through once, uh, this sort of thing. So. Okay, well, let's ask the law gospel question then. Does the song proclaim the law in its sternness and the gospel in its sweetness? Where is that in the Bible? Should our hymns have both law and gospel? I think I went back uh, for this question to the two of the texts that we had for the original question, should Jesus be mentioned? Uh, so Colossians three fifteen to 17, and Ephesians five nineteen to 21. So let's just do the Colossians text uh, to keep things moving here. Okay. Uh, it says, that, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, and singing with grace in your hearts. So that you have uh, the gospel there. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Uh, Be thankful, singing with grace in your hearts. Uh, This is all reference to uh, that the gospel is a part of our songs. But the law is there as well, where it says teaching and especially admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So the law is uh, is when we admonish one another in our hymns, and the gospel is when we sing with grace in our hearts. Agreed. Okay, is that it for law gospel? Yes. All right. Uh, Then the last question is, 
Is there any uh, explicit false teaching? Now, where in the Bible is it to warn us against false teaching? Is that even in the Bible? <laughs> what a setup. <laughs> what are they teaching you up there? Uh, that, um, yes, the easiest place for this is simply the Lord's word in Matthew 7, verse 15, where Jesus says, watch out for false teachers. They come to you in sheep's clothing. Inwardly, they're ferocious, ravenous wolves. Uh, so Jesus himself warns us to look out for false teachers. Um, and this is then the constant warning in the scriptures. Whenever, I, Just about every time the New Testament has the word beware, what it's telling us to beware of is false teachers. So Matthew 10, verse 26, Matthew 16, verse 6, uh, Philippians 3, verse 2, Colossians 2, verse 8, 2 Peter 3, 17, uh, and so forth. These are all beware, be on guard, watch out for false teachers. We, so we should constantly be doing that, not just when we're singing, when we're in church, when we're out of church, when we're listening to uh, everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game show. We always are looking out for false teaching and being wary of it. That's right. Well, let's let's put this into practice. Now that you've sufficiently defended your praise song cruncher, let's try it. And we're going to um, do one that's submitted to our forums at tabletalkradio.org, uh, submitted to us by Don. And Don admits that this song uh, is maybe not a praise song per se, but it was on the the uh, Christian radio hit charts for a while, and it's Run by Cutlass. Let's listen to see what it sounds like. Why do you run? Why do you hide? Oh, don't you know I just, just want to be with you, to be with you. That's the that's the song. Um, this Interesting. is Interesting. This I've is, never heard that song before, by the way. Uh, this is being sung in the first person if God is singing it. Um, and it just simply asks a question. Why do you run? Why do you hide? Um, um, oh, don't you know that I just want to be with you? Looking down from above as you watch TV, wondering why you're ignoring me. Do you remember? Do you remember when I came uh, and you loved me? I'm watching. I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. Okay, so... This is kind of the if gist you, of the, of the song. If you would have written the song, you would have been something like this. I look down while you're there playing on Facebook. <laughs> What's do your you obsession with Facebook? Yeah. <laughs> Man. <laughs> That's what I'm... T- oh, brother. <laughs> okay. We have about three minutes to analyze this. So Whoa. Okay. Let's, let's move is fast. Is Jesus mentioned? 
um, maybe uh, the, it's like you said, it's sung from the first person of God, and it says, "I came down to you and you loved me." So, who God, the God who comes down to us is Jesus. So, in that sense, yes, but it's very, it's kind of veiled, a hidden reference. The song is a bit subtle. Um, so, I think yes, sort of. How about that? Um, okay, we were going to add another category, weren't we? On this one, sort of. Sort of, okay. sure. All right, we're getting too many categories. <laughs> the next one then is uh, clarity. Does the song clear? Does it use sentences with subject, verb, and object, or sentence fragments? I think it does use sentences, um, which is maybe a, one of the marks that it proves it's not a praise song. You know, <laughs> 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 people couldn't sing it in church because it uses too many sentences. <laughs> um, it does use sentences, but it's not exactly clear what it's talking about. I mean, you got to no, kind of pay vague. attention. To, I mean, I was trying to check my email while you were playing that song, but I said, I better stop and pay attention because this song is a bit, <laughs> I don't exactly know what it's talking about. So it, it's probably somewhere between the three and four on the clarity scale. Okay. I would say. Three to four. And then the next question is mysticism. Is it talking about the things that God has done or about my own emotions and experiences? Oddly enough, this song switches things around, and it's about God's own emotions. Um, it's kind of like, hey, I, it kind of hurts me that you're ignoring me, so you're not paying attention to me. So God is kind of like the um, uh, the spurned lover, sort of, uh, hey, uh, why don't you like me more and pay more attention to me, sort of thing. Uh, so it's the it's the emotions of God that are being... Attached, which normally when we talk of the emotions of God, we're kind of getting into law gospel territory. Um, with this song, it's going to be all law. Hey, you're ignoring me, so I'm mad. Well, that is the next question, law gospel. So is there any gospel in it whatsoever? Um, I came to you and you loved me. That's as close as it gets. I came well, I to know. you. We hear it down. Uh, don't you know that I died? I died so that I could be with you forever. Oh, nice. I missed that. Um yeah, so there's a little gospel in there. It's kind of using, it's almost like, hey, look, remember all the things that yeah. I did, and now you're not paying attention. So it's this kind of gospel guilt trip. So That's right. Well, that's all the time we have for the Praise Oi. Song Cruncher. But guess what's up next? We have the Heresy Two-Step coming up. <laughs> and so Pastor is going to tell us about this, this little theological theory he's working on called the Heresy Two-Step. We're going to do the Heresy Hoedown right after this. Don't go away. Check out our website, tabletalkradio.org, during this break. You can comment on our form about this at tabletalkradio.org. We'll be right back. Don't go away. If you're not easily embarrassed, tell your friends about Table Talk Radio. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio, everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game show, and uh, we're also everyone's favorite Lutheran theological dance that's show. That's right, <laughs> dance lessons here at Table Talk Radio, 
Today you're learning the heresy hoedown, uh, the, the heresy two-step, that is. And, I hope uh, everyone uh, everyone stretched during the break. And, and Pastor is our instructor in this in this two-step. That's right. <laughs> I'm an expert at the heresy two-step. All right. It's a dance move I invented. <laughs> Didn't really invent it. I just noticed everyone else is doing it, so I, I started uh, you know, to pick up on it. The heresy two-step. All right, so this is evaluating how we apply... Uh, what we know from the Bible, and whether we're doing it correctly or whether we're doing it incorrectly, uh, using principles from the Bible. Explain the, t- the heresy two-step. Well, this is how the heresy two-step originated. I began to notice a pattern when people ended up with a false doctrine or a false teaching, and I, I, not- I noticed a pattern between the way they got from the Scriptures to, the, to their false teaching, and it's a two-step process. And so what I'm going to do is outline it and then show some examples of people who have danced the heresy two-step uh, and then, uh, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. Now, I've just been working on this uh, idea, just been trying to observe it and uh, and teach it. So uh, it's still in the developmental phases. This is like the beta version of the Heresy Two Step. So especially if you listeners um, could give us some feedback on this, or, or as you think about it and and see where it applies and where it doesn't, uh, I would be very grateful personally for that. Uh, but here's the so here's the first. This is how you start. Uh, now you're standing up. Do you have your uh, tights on with your leg warmers? Oh, brother! <laughs> <laughs> you start with your two feet firmly planted on the scriptures. Now that's uh, the starting point, but you're never going to actually come back to that point. Uh, that's part of the trick. But you start <laughs> with your two feet on the scriptures. But then, and this is the this is the most important step in the heresy two step. You take an abstracting step backwards with both feet. Uh, so that you start with a scripture, but then you move into abstraction, into uh, a biblical principle, or something like this, some sort of catchphrase, or, um, or, cliche or summary, or cliche, exactly. So you take an abstracting step backwards, and then from there, you slide to the left into false doctrine, and then you wiggle around. <laughs> so it's a pretty simple dance. You start in the scriptures, you step backwards into abstraction, and then you slide into false teaching. You got it? <laughs> I got it. I'm just thinking about uh, how we're going to put this this diagram of the heresy two-step on our website. Uh, when I was teaching it to Bible class yesterday, I drew the little feet, you yeah, know? That's <laughs> and step back. Oh, that'd be great. And then slide like this. Uh, and this is how it works. Now, it's better to see it if we can see it with a few examples, right? Yes. So here's, a, here's an example of the way that uh, our Reformed brothers and sisters do the heresy two-step. You start, and, and so let's think about their teaching of the Lord's Supper. You start with some words in the Scripture. For example, the words of institution, this is my body, this is my blood. Okay? Got it. But now you take an abstracting step backwards into what you might call the real presence. So you abstract the words, this is my body, this is my blood, into, a, into something like the real presence. And then you slide to the side and say that Jesus is spiritually present in the Lord's Supper. Okay, so now this, the spiritual presence isn't being drawn from the words, this is my body. The spiritual presence, the doctrine of spiritual presence, the heresy, if you will, is actually being drawn from what was stepped back, namely real presence. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. So now, the, most of the time, when we're looking at a false teaching, we're looking at this slide move. So someone, so the real presence, well, Lutherans teach the real presence. It's just about, you know, a lot of people teach the real presence. We can agree with the real presence. But 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 uh, how do you get from the real presence to the spiritual presence? Well, the, the problem is already in stepping back from the words, this is my body, this is my blood, to this kind of abstract idea of real presence. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Here's another example, uh, the Roman Catholic uh, teaching on Mary. You, you have the words of the scripture where Mary herself says, all generations will call me blessed. Um, and that's true enough. Mary says that, and, uh, and we do call her blessed. You take a step back into an abstraction, which is something like uh, the blessedness of Mary or, the, or the, how Mary participates uh, in, the, um, in the redemption of man, something like that. And then from that abstracting step, Blessed Mary, then you can slide to the side that where Mary is now our intercessor to the Son, or that Mary is the co-redemptrix, something like this. See? See how it works? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm learning this pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Here's another one is um, antinomianism. Antinomianism is the idea that... Um, uh, that the law has no place in the life of a Christian. Well, how in the world do you get to that point? It's not from the scriptures, but it's by doing the heresy two-step. First, you start in the scripture, and you take something like this. Uh, by the works of the law, no one will be justified. That's Romans 4. Now, you, you step back into an abstraction, which is something like we live by grace or grace alone or something like this. And then you slide to the side where you say, the law has nothing to say to me as a Christian, only the gospel. And now you've made the heresy two-step, and you've become an antinomian. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, so what you're saying is, rather than doing this uh, heresy two-step, that we should really just have um, the Lord's Word um, have its way with us and, and let it be our foundation for theology. Well, that's right. Now, we have to do something, though. I mean, we, we want to be able to summarize the Scriptures, or we want to be able to talk in, in about the categories of the scriptures, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we want to be able to use the phrase law and gospel, or justification, or original sin, or even things like the sacraments, all of these phrases which encompass a number of the scriptures, the teaching in the scriptures. But we want to make sure that when we use these phrases, we're not using them as abstractions, but rather as summaries, or uh, that they're that they're brought forth to teach the scriptures, not to set against the scriptures. Here's another example. Uh, Paul says that love is the summary of the law. I was reading um, the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, published a uh, human sexuality document. And in there they say that love is the measure and the um, uh, judge of the law. So what they've done, what, the, what Paul does is he takes the Ten Commandments and he summarizes it by using the word love. But what this uh, human sexuality document does is it actually abstracts from the Ten Commandments this idea of love, which now is no longer serving as a summary of the Ten Commandments, but rather as an uh, abstraction of them. And now you can move to the side one way or to the other and wiggle around in your heresy, uh, because you've made this abstracting move from the words of God. So what we want to make sure that we do is not, to not dance the heresy two-step, is to never uh, take this abstracting step from the scriptures, but always have uh, uh, our teaching 
um, there for the very purpose of bringing forth exactly what the words of God say. Very good. So now we all know the heresy two-step. <laughs> yes, and we know it in order that we don't dance it. What we should do is just keep our feet on the scriptures and uh, and do the Macarena. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, <laughs> I get it, because you don't move your feet during that dance. Right. Okay. Um, so can we now say that Table Talk Radio is everyone's favorite radio dance class? I, I think without a doubt we can. <laughs> pushing the boundaries here <laughs> all right well we only have a couple minutes so let's let's do like one round of law and or gospel all right um do you have something uh why don't you go first oh okay <laughs> well here we were talking about colossians 3 want to do colossians 3 i do let the peace let the peace of christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body and be thankful is that law and or gospel? This word peace is one of the most beautiful words of the gospel. It's when Jesus is risen from the dead, this is what he comes preaching. He comes preaching peace. Is this true? Someone told me that when the only time Jesus says peace is after the resurrection. I'm not exactly sure. Hmm. But, but the peace of the Lord comes uh, from his death and his resurrection, and that gift delivered to us in the absolution. In fact, he says... John uh, 20, peace be with you, and then he breathes on them and gives them the Holy Spirit and then says, whoever sins you forgive, they're forgiven. So that, so that the peace of God that lives in our hearts is the peace that comes from hearing that God is not mad, but that he delights in us uh, through the blood of Jesus. What about Mark 5:34, where Jesus says to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be, and be healed of your affliction. Oh, good. Oh, I stand corrected. Although you didn't catch that I used the buzzword. Oh, oh dang it. Oh, we're, we're still playing buzzwords? What? <laughs> 500 sweet points for me. Uh, the peace that comes from the absolution. There it is. Okay. <laughs> so maybe he does say peace in other places. I'm sorry about that. So whoever told me was wrong. See, notice it was See, here else. I was busy correcting you to miss your... That's, that's your strategy. You're going to play the heresy two-step to, to uh, distract me from your theological buzzwords. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> the false doctrine theological buzzword gambit. Hey, you know what, the, what dance move goes along with the heresy two-step is the uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart gambit. Oh, have to do that next we'll time. learn that next time for the next dance class on Table Talk Radio. Thank Where the points are like the theological opinions of a vicar. <laughs> oh, useless. <laughs> You've been Boy. listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to question at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message. 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.